Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to a motherfucking podcast that I like to call This and That, a podcast, well, you all know the spiel by now. <laughs> welcome, yes, another episode of this stupid podcast where I uh, terribly read shit. Oh yeah, don't, don't, don't worry, the terrible reading is still in effect. Oh yeah, but uh... We got some sports to talk about. Of course, another uh, presidential debate went down. We'll talk about uh, that. And some motherfuckers want to assassinate Joe Biden. So uh, we'll get into that. But uh, let us start with some sports. And uh, Brian Flores midseason decides to bench. Yeah, there you go. Bench Ryan Fitzpatrick for. Young rookie Tua Tunglavioa. Yep. Ryan Fitz is riding the pine once more. Uh, this is uh, on the ESPN page on Facebook. Uh, this is what uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick had to say on the Dolphins decision to start Tua. My heart just hurt all day, which I don't blame him. It was heartbreaking for me. I've been a starter. I've been benched all kinds of different ways. But this one really just more so than any of them. I just felt fully committed and invested like... Invested and felt like it was my team. So yeah. I I, I can see what he's saying. You know, the Dolphins are 3-3. Three and three. In my eyes, it's a stupid fucking call to make. I, I think... Uh, Tua should have sat the whole season, no matter the, uh, no matter how the season goes, you know, let Tua learn, maybe start him, depending on how the season's going, maybe start him week 16 or 17, you know, towards the end of the season, something like that, but honestly, yeah, that, that sucks, Fitzmagic was, uh, performing some Fitzmagic there, I, I would say. But uh, we'll have to see how Tua plays here in the uh, big leagues. I know we he had that uh, pretty bad injury, so let's see if uh, he ain't injury prone. I, I know that's uh, one big problem is that Tua is pretty injury prone as well. So, But we'll, we'll see how this goes. We'll see how it plays out. Uh you know, it, it it sucks. It it really does suck. I I wanted to see Fitzmagic finish out the season, but I guess uh, no, we're not gonna get that. But anyways, moving right along here, the NHL postpones the 2021 Winter Classic and All Star Game. The NHL has postponed the 2021 Winter Classic and the All-Star Game due to the ongoing, unnecessary resulting of the coronavirus, which, let's face it, Rona has fucking ruined a lot of shit. This is from uh, ESPN.com. Uh, <clears throat> the Winner's Classic was scheduled to be played at Target Field in Minneapolis on New Year's Day, featuring the Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Florida Panthers were scheduled to host All-Star Weekend on January 29th and 30th. 
The league said it intends to return to both Minnesota and Florida for the signature events in the near future. <clears throat> Holy fucking goddamn. But yeah, that, that fucking sucks. I'm not going to lie. I enjoy watching the Winter Classic. Uh, fan participation, both in arenas and stadiums, as well as in the ancillary, ancillary venues, whatever the fuck it is. We'll, we'll go with that. And events that were staged around the Winter Classic and All-Star weekend is inaugural is integral excuse me to the success of our signature events nhl chief content officer steve mayer said in a statement because of the uncertainty as to when we will be able to welcome our fans back into our games we felt that the prudent decision at this time was to postpone these celebrations until 2022 when our fans should be able to enjoy and celebrate these 10 pole events in person as they are always intended we are also considering several new and creative events that will allow our fans to engage with our games and teams during this upcoming season <clears throat> the nhl still said it is planning to begin the 2020-2021 season on or around January 1st, NHL general managers have a meeting scheduled for Friday where several details are supposed to be sorted out, including whether the seven teams that did not make the NHL's extended 2014 postseason this summer can get extra training camp time and preseason games. There is still no date for when training camps will open. The NHL told teams they could open their training facilities for voluntary workouts on October 15th. However, there is a 19-page document <clears throat> excuse me, of protocols that takes into account social distancing as well as increased health and safety measures. Measures. A team needs notice from at least five players before reopening its facilities for voluntary workouts, and a maximum of 12 players can be on the ice at the same time. Players and staffers who have participate in voluntary off-season workouts must proceed a negative COVID-19 test upon arrival and will be tested at least twice weekly. Anyone who has tested any who wow, I can read. Yep, terrible reading. There you go. Anyone who has COVID-19 must also undergo a cardiac cardiac screening, baby. Yep. The 2021 Winter Classic was going to be the NHL's 31st outdoor game and second for the Wild. In 2016, Minnesota hosted a stadium series matchup against the Blackhawks at TFC Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. The Panthers, meanwhile, were getting ready to host their second All-Star weekend, having previously hosted the 2002-2003 season. So yeah, Rona fucking some things up here in hockey, which sucks. <clears throat> I know they can't play the season uh, in a bubble. There are too many teams to fit in two arenas. So I don't know, man. We'll we'll have to see how this this coronavirus all plays out and shit. You know, it it fucking sucks. This this Rona shit needs to go away, and it needs to go away for good. Which I don't think it'll it'll ver it'll ever go away for good, but it needs to go away. You know, 
But uh, speaking of the Rona, NFL had eight new positives among 2,459 players tested last week. This is coming from YahooSports.com. As each new positive test results in concerns about whether a team could have an outbreak that wreaks havoc on the NFL schedule, it can be easy to lose sight of the fact that an exceedingly small percentage of players have tested positive for COVID-19. According to the data released by the NFL and NFL Players Association today, last week 15,167 tests were administered to 2,459 players. Only eight new positive test results were preceded. The represents a positive rate of 0.3%, far lower than the American population as a whole. The NFL also had 11 confirmed positive tests for team personnel out of the 5,340 people tested in a total of 23,713 tests. That represents a positive rate of 0.2% for team personnel. From August 1st through October 17th, a total of 47 players and 71 other personnel have been confirmed positive. More out of the 450,000 tests administered. Excuse me, I'm keeping that in. Fuck you. Haha. <laughs> NFL had eight new positive among 2,459 players tested last week. Originally appeared on Pro Football Talk. So, the honestly, the NFL has had a couple Rona scares and a couple moments where it's like, alright, maybe we should pause the season here. But it has come to that point a couple times, even with the MLB uh, this season, you know. Couple teams had uh, Rona problems here, so this Corona shit—it's—it's it's taken a toll on a lot of people here around the world, you know, and it's taken a toll on a lot of businesses, you know. And honestly, I think it's gonna be quite a while until we see this world get back to complete normalcy, like complete, complete normalcy for before corona was even a fucking thing you know it's gonna take a little while we're gonna have to ease into it you know it's it's just not as simple and as quick as people may think it 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 is you know it takes time you know but speaking of Getting in the process of getting back to normalcy. The New Orleans Saints to allow in person fans starting this weekend. This is from our good friends at thehill.com. And this was written three days ago. I'm recording this on October 23rd. So this was recorded on October 20th. The New Orleans Saints will allow fans in in the indoor Superdome for the first time during the coronavirus pandemic. Beginning with their Sunday game. Officials announced Tuesday the NFL team will allow season ticket holders to claim 3,000 tickets for the game against the Carolina Panthers, according to a press release. Saints officials and New Orleans Mayor Latonya Cantrell, she's a Democrat. Ooh, and she's a black Democrat. Good for her. And it said something about, oh, (laughs) decided upon a phased in deliberate plot approach to allowing in-person fans in the Superdome. As long as local health guidelines allow, the Saints plan to host 6,000 fans for the November 15th game against the San Francisco 49ers and the November 22nd game against the Atlanta Falcons. The expect 
up to the capacity to 15,000 for the December 20th game against the Kansas City Chiefs and the December 25th game against the Minnesota Vikings if health restrictions allow. So yeah, basically try to get more and more people in the uh, Superdome. The mayor's office will be ensuring that gatherings in the central business district in French Quarter on game days follow city coronavirus restrictions according to the release. The Saints and the Cantrell's office will urge fans to wear their masks in public, maintain good hygiene, and practice social distancing. It is imprehensive as noted that everyone do their part to make sure all of the progress made by our community in our fight against COVID-19 is not lost and we have no setbacks. This plan is based on creating a healthy and safe environment for our fans to arrive, enjoy, and depart Saints home games safely, the release stated. Several NFL teams, including the Tennessee Titans, Arizona Cardinals, Philadelphia Eagles, and Jacksonville Jaguars, allowed a limited number of fans to attend the games last week. The NFL teams with fixed roofs have not hosted fans, but some with retractable roofs such as the Dallas Cowgirls, yeah, I'm going to call them the Cowgirls, fuck you, and the Houston Texans have had in-person fans for games while keeping the stadium roof shut, according to NOLA. NOLA.com. Last week, Saints officials were reportedly considering playing in Louisiana State University's outdoor Tiger Stadium in order to host fans in person. So, like I said, another uh, another little hint of normalcy right there. But, uh, you know, hey, we're taking it one step at a time. You know, like I said, it's it's a process that we cannot rush. And it's a process that needs to be held and taken care of delicately. You know? But anyways, moving right along here. Uh, this is a segment I haven't really done here on this podcast. But it's one that I'm going to do. You know, just catching up on my life and all that. Uh, you know, breaking shit down and breaking shit down (laughs) whatever the fuck that means but uh you know just updating you guys on what the fuck's been going on and uh honestly a little bit's been going on in my life i've been dealing with this fucking house bullshit uh oh yeah that was a good one uh my dad and i have been looking for a fucking house uh and we finally found one uh, like I said, I'm recording this oct- on October 23rd, so October 29th, uh, is when the inspection is supposed to happen, and October 29th determines whether I get the fuck out of this, uh, tiny-ass apartment or not, you know, that, that would be, uh, wonderful, but, uh, hey, I, I just got to remain positive here, you know? Just got to keep my head held up high. And if there's a fucking God up there, I'm I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm an atheist, so I don't really believe in that God bullshit. But maybe for once, I can reach out to God and ask, Hey, if you're there for me, man, please, for the love of God, get me out of this fucking apartment. Please. Uh, for those who don't know, I live in a... 
tiny ass one bedroom apartment with my dad. Oh, you live with your dad. <laughs> yes, but uh, I don't live here for free. I actually pay as well. You know, I, I pay my share for the bills as well. I actually pay for the internet. <laughs> you know? Hey, you know, I gotta have that good internet. You know, the family ain't gonna pay for it, so fuck. Hey, I'm paying for that shit. So, hey, there you go. That, and uh, I'm helping pay for the apartment a little bit as well. So, but honestly, this this house isn't that bad. It's pretty nice, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, it's a four bedroom house. Uh, so basically my dad would be downstairs. He's got his own bedroom downstairs and, uh, upstairs is, uh, three bedrooms. So basically when you first go upstairs, there's a bedroom to, to your right. Uh, it's a small little room. So that's probably going to be the guest room. Then at the end of the hallway, there's like two bedrooms, like right next to each other, like right at the end of the hallway. So I'm going to have those two rooms. Yes, I get two bedrooms. <laughs> one's just going to be my normal bedroom and then another one is probably going to be like a, a little man cave slash recording studio. So uh, when I finally get a uh, a bigger room here, I, I do want to try recording the podcast a whole lot more. You know, that's honestly one of the main reasons why I know it may seem like an excuse, but it's just this house bullshit's been on my mind and... Uh, Ooh, that's number three. Hold on. Ah, there's number four. And uh, it 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 sucks. I really do hope that this inspection passes, which when I saw the house and when I saw like the heater and all that BS downstairs in the basement, I, I, I thought everyone, everything looked fine. It looked all functional. You know, the house had power, you know. I, if if this if I do get the house, I may have to uh, put a house tour video up on my uh, second channel. But uh, I got that. I got that. And uh, yes, surprisingly, for those who don't know, I've never had a job in my life, and I'm 23 years old. Can you believe that shit? But uh, yeah, I've been also looking for a job here, a little part-time job to bring in some more motherfucking. Ching ching a ling a dang. You know what's cool about this fucking house is that there's a um there's a garage and above the fucking garage is like a little apartment. Shit it, it needs a lot of work, but it's like it's it's got a fucking apartment above the garage and uh you know I, I really wanna turn that into the turn that into my fucking crib there, but uh I, I don't know. Well, we'll 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 see. We'll see. I'm just hoping that uh, this inspection goes through. But uh, other than that, what else has been going on in my life? You know, just been dealing with this house bullshit. Uh, looking for uh, a little part-time job. Uh, I don't know. It's really been about it for that, but. Hey, what 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 do you what do you know? It's it's debate time. Yay! <laughs> so uh, last podcast, uh, 
talked about the first presidential debate. The second one got canceled. So, uh, cause Trump didn't want to do it virtually cause he's a fucking crybaby. Wah. <laughs> but, uh, we had a third presidential debate. I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch it that much. Like I was watching the Eagles game, which that was a pretty fucking kick ass game. Like I was mainly watching the Eagles game. So I missed like the first hour of it, but, uh, I caught like the rest of it, which honestly, this brings up into our first topic of, of debate talk, and it's it was a whole lot better debate than the last one. Uh, and, and why I say that is Trump was more well-behaved. Oh, yeah. Not, not as much interrupting from the Orange Cheeto Man as the first debate. Like, oh, my God. This, this debate was uh, a little bit more leaned back you know not too much happened of course there was the typical uh trump bullshit and lies but uh you know surprisingly trump behaved tonight and i was like what i, I was expecting round two of uh another shit fest but uh no we actually got somewhat of a presidential debate tonight <clears throat> but uh we have trump saying this he's the least racist person <laughs> in the room oh boy this is coming from yahoonews.com President Trump said that he was the least racist person in the room, at least one person of color, while talking about race and Black Lives Matter during the final presidential debate of 2020 on Thursday. Trump and his Democratic opponent, Joe Biden, had contentious and at times awkward exchange when asked by debate moderator Kristen Walker about Black Lives Matter and the talk that black parents have with their kids about the police during the race in America portion of the debate at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. Mr. President, you've described the Black Lives Matter movement as a symbol of hate. Walker said, you've shared a video of a man chanting white power to millions of your supporters. You've said that the black professional athletes exercising their First Amendment rights should be fired. What do you say to Americans who say that kind of language from a president is contributing to a climate of hate and racial strafe? Trump said when he first... Ooh, I just... There's a water bottle. Hold on. There we go. There was a water bottle under my chair. Hee <laughs> hee. I'm in a tiny-ass fucking corner. I forgot to say when I was updating you guys about my life and all that. I'm in a tiny-ass fucking corner of this apartment, so. But there, the 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 one bedroom in this apartment is upstairs, so. I'm, I'm downstairs in the living room. But uh, moving on, as I was saying, article goes on to say, Trump said when he first heard of Black Lives Matter, protesters were chanting, Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, and he thought it was horrible. 
The, fra- the phrase was said at a Black Lives Matter organized protest in 2015, according to CNN. According to CNN. Okay, according to fucking CNN. And we all know how reliable CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and all them motherfucking news networks are. So, get the fuck out of here. But it is not an official chant or slogan of the national organization or an, or any of the local chapters. Obviously, Mr. President Trump is not informed on the BLM movement, as the movement is a movement for uh, equality, peace, and injustice. Excuse me, quality, peace, injustice, equality, whatever. You all know what I mean. Equality, peace, and justice. There you go. You know, again, apparently Mr. Trump is not too educated on the BLM movement, and apparently he needs to educate himself on said movement. Article goes on to say, uh, I got criminal justice reform done in the prison reform and opportunity zones. I took care of black colleges and universities, Trump said. I, I can't even see the audience because it's so dark. But I don't care who's in the audience. I'm the least racist person in this room. (laughs) Which is an absolute load of fucking horseshit. Okay. We, We all know he was probably one of the most racist motherfucking people in the room. If not the most racist motherfucker in the room. You know? I'm the least racist person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's a load of bullshit. And of course, uh, Trump supporters are going to be like, Oh no, he's right. Look up his racist tweets. I'm pretty sure that there's a bunch of them out there. There's probably still a bunch of racist tweets of his on his uh, Twitter. There's like plenty of fucking... Racist shit on there. It's it's buried in there by all the other bullshit he said. But uh, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of news networks and a bunch of websites that have documented his racist shit he said on Twitter. Yes, Donald Trump is a racist man. For those who did not know that. He said some racist shit. We have probably all said some racist shit. I'm not going to lie. I've said some racist shit. On my YouTube live stream, I've I've even said the N word, not N I G G R, but N I G G A. I've I'm gonna admit I've I've said that multiple times on my uh, YouTube live stream, but of course my excuse is I'm stoned as fuck. So, <laughs> but uh, article of course goes on to say Walker, an NBC News correspondent who is in the room, is a black woman. Before, oh there we go. Okay. Don't you dare. Okay. I thought I was going to play a fucking video. Excuse me. Before asking about Black Lives Matter, Walker asked Biden and Trump if they understand why black and brown families have to prepare their children for politically hostile encounters with law enforcement because of the color of their skin. I do, said Biden. I never had to tell my daughter if she pulled over, put both 
hands on the top of the wheel and don't reach for the glove box because someone may shoot you. But a black parent, no matter how wealthy or how poor they are, has to teach their child don't don't have a hoodie on when you go across the street, making sure that if you get pulled over, just say yes sir, no sir, hands on top of the wheel. Trump said he also understands, but then argued that no one has done more for the black community. And of course, typical fucking Trump having to praise himself. Uh, obviously, obviously he has to throw in something praising him, you know, because it's again, it's all about him. That's what the man's all about is Trump. Everything has to be exactly about Trump. Nothing else but Trump. You know? Which is absolute bullshit. You know, Trump has done jack shit for the black community. And if you look, with the exception of Abraham Lincoln, nobody has done what I've done. Criminal justice reform, Obama and Joe didn't do it. I don't even think they've tried because they had no chance at doing it. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> this man's fucking delusional. Donald Trump is fucking delusional. <laughs> but, uh... Oh, oh, it, it didn't end there, though, huh? Biden denies unethical behavior involving his son, Hunter, during questioning at debate. Yeah, of course, Trump is still fixated on the uh, Hunter Biden bullshit. Which, of course, has been... Uh, Discredited. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden on Thursday. Oh, by the way, this is from the uh, Hill.com, our good friends at the Hill. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden on Thursday denied any unethical behavior related to his son, Hunter Biden, under questioning at the second presidential debate with President Trump. Trump went on the offensive as he had telegraphed over allegations that Joe Biden was aware of his son's foreign business dealings. I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life, Biden said. Asked by moderator Kristen Walker if it is if it was inappropriate or unethical for Hunter Biden to pursue business interests in Ukraine and China while Joe Biden was serving as vice president, Biden refuted the notion. Nothing was unethical, Biden said, citing the testimony during Trump's impeachment hearings where witnesses said his son work his son works wow his son's work did not influence US policy. Biden also disputed that his son made that his son made money doing business in China seeking to turn the question on Trump. The former vice president highlighted the recent reporting from the New York Times that Trump had a bank account opened in China. The president continues his attacks on Hunter Biden, highlighting his personal struggles in the military and questioning why he had a job at the Ukraine gas company. Burzma, despite limited, I don't know if, they, is that, if that's how you say it, but fucking limited energy experience. He's the vice president of the United States and his son, his brother, and his other brother are getting rich. They're like a vacuum cleaner, Trump said. The president has fixated on unproven exactly that because that's what the fuck the man does. The president has fixated on unproven allegations of corruption against the Biden family in the final stretch of the campaign, seizing on a New York Post report that found Hunter Biden sought to connect a Ukrainian businessman with his father 
while he had served the vice president. Excuse me, while he had served as vice president, Biden's campaign had denied the meeting was ever an official schedule and questioned whether the narrative is a part of a Russian disform disinformation campaign. One of Trump campaign's guests at Thursday's debate was Tony Bobolowski, Bobolowski, Bobolubi, who alleged the reporters that he had proof that Joe Biden had talked with Hunter about his son's business dealings and that he would be cooperating with the FBI and two Republican Senate panels on the matter. To Republican, Republican Senate panels. He cited messages from 2017 after Joe Biden had left office. <sighs> and of course, there was a uh, an article I had from that, but I'm... Nah. So basically, it, 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 it wasn't as chaotic as the first debate, but uh, it was... There were some things. Uh, this is uh, coming from PolitiFact.com. This is the this is PolitiFact fact-checking Donald Trump, Joe Biden in the final presidential debate. They fact-check both uh, candidates uh, starting under COVID-19. Uh, Trump basically said, "We are rounding the turn on coronavirus. We are rounding the corner." And apparently that this actually is false, uh, a typical Trump lie. False. Rounding the corner suggests that significant and sustained improvements are being made in the fight against the virus. And that's not the case according to data. Of course, Trump ignores that because it's fake news. F fake news. The number of coronavirus cases is climbing once again. After falling consistently between late July and mid-September, cases are now at their highest point since early August, with almost 60,000 new confirmed infections a day. That's only about 10% lower than the peak in late July. And this is coming from uh, USA Facts, the chart that PolitiFact has provided. And let's see. October 21st, 18.1 new COVID cases. Oh. So, yeah, they, they give you a graph, and yeah, it is on the rise. Like I said, again, I'm getting this from politifact.com. It's the, uh, it's under fact checking Joe Biden and Trump debate, but, uh, This is uh, new coronavirus cases per 100,000 people, USA Facts. Hospitalizations today are lower than in previous spikes, but in the past few weeks, there have been a modest increase. The positivity rate, which measures what percentage of tests come up positive for the virus, is also going up. Again, during the past few weeks, higher positivity rates are an indicator of community spread. The one encouraging change is that since a peak in August, deaths have fallen fairly consistently due to a combination of factors, including improved understanding of how to treat the disease, yet deaths have settled 
in at about 800 a day, keeping total deaths per week in the United States above normal levels. But uh, let's see, a lot of Trump ones. Let's see. Here's a here here's another Trump one. This is also under coronavirus. Trump. There was a spike in Florida that is gone. There was a spike in Texas that is gone. There was a spike in Arizona that is gone. And of course, uh Politifact saying that this is inaccurate. Over the summer, Florida, Texas, and Arizona experienced record surges in cases that later eased, but now they are seeing all new surges. Over the past week, the New York Times tracker notes that the daily average of new infections is up 29% in Florida, 16% in Texas, and 55% in Arizona, compared with the daily averages two weeks earlier. And if I'm not mistaken, those are uh, Republican states. Yep. Let's see, here's an inaccurate one from uh, Joe Biden. This is coming from healthcare. Biden, not one single person with private insurance lost their insurance under Obamacare unless they chose they wanted to go to something else. This is inaccurate. Biden telling lies in the debate too. This is a... Variation of a claim that earned President Barack Obama our lie of the year in 2013. The Affordable Care Act tried to allow existing health plans to continue under a complicated process called grandfathering. But if the plans delivered even a little, they would lose their grandfathered status. And if that happened, insurers cancel plans that didn't meet the new standards. No one determined with any certainty how many people got cancellation notes, but analysis estimated about 4 million or more had their plans canceled. Many found insurance elsewhere, and potential, and the percentage was small out of the total. Excuse me, there's number five. Out of a total insured population of 262 million, the number of people with canceled plans was less than 2%, however. That still announced to 4 million people who faced the difficulty of finding a new plan in the hassle of switching their coverage. So, let's see if I can find another. Another one. Here we go. Another one that uh, Biden was not correct on. This is under economy. Biden. Trump has caused the deflect with China to go up, not down. And apparently this is mostly false. The U.S. trade deflect with China in goods and services, the broadest measurement of the balance of trade, was smaller under Trump in 2019, the most recent full year than it was in any of the final three years of the Obama administration, in which Biden served as vice president. Biden's campaign pointed to a narrower measure, trade in goods only, which shows that the trade deflect with China has generally been higher under Trump than it was under Obama. But even here, the U.S. made progress under Trump in 2019, whittling down the goods defect. 
And of course, we have one that distorts the record. This is from Trump. Biden tried to hurt Social Security years ago. This distorts the record. Biden has offered a variety of Social Security plans. Starting in the 1970s, he called for an increase in monthly benefits, then for one year, then for a one-year freeze, then floated rising the retirement age. Then back to changed and how benefits would increase today. He calls for higher monthly checks for the oldest beneficiaries. In the 1980s and 1990s, Biden spoke in favor of Social Security freezes to rein in the spending and reduce the defect. Biden's point was that no part of the government would be exempt from the effort to balance the budget. As vice president during the Obama administration, Biden generally focused on protecting Social Security and reinstating moves to privatize. So, and then, uh, let's see, this one is race and criminal justice, and this, uh, this is no evidence. Of course, Trump making up bullshit. Race and criminal justice. Trump says Biden called black Americans superior dictators when he wrote his 1994 crime bill. And apparently, there's no evidence of this. Because why? Well, Donald Trump lies. That's why. No evidence. In 1993, Biden gave a speech on the Senate floor in which he said the country should focus on young people who had no supervision or opportunities. Otherwise, they'd become the predators 15 years from now, he said. Biden did not single out black Americans. Madden president, we have predators on our streets and society has in fact, because of its neglect, created that, he said, according to the congressional record. The term, soup, oh, super predators. Super predators. Okay, wow. So let me read that again. Trump says Biden called black Americans super predators when he wrote his 1994 crime bill, you dumb fuck. <laughs> The term super predators refers to something Hillary Clinton said in 1996 when referring to a gang of kids. She did not specifically say super predators were black um, Americans, but decades later, Clinton apologized for that comment. So, so, so again, Trump being Trump. Let's see, we'll, we'll do a couple more. Oh, here we go. Ooh, hold on. That's number six. Six times I've burped. I'm counting how many times I've burped during this podcast. That's number six. Trump, not since Abraham Lincoln has anybody done what I've done for the black community. Historians despite this. Ooh. The claim overstates Trump own stand Trump's own standing within history historians say president lyndon b johnson a skilled legislator from his years and years in the senate i can read i'm a retired deliberately crafted his civil rights agenda and pushed it through congress with personal precision whatever the fuck that word is brain daddy x he's not responding President Harriet Truman moved to discongregate. Yeah, discongregate. 
the military, and even President Richard Nixon, who was captured on tape making racist remarks, advanced a discongregation of schools and disfirmative action and employment. I probably butchered those words, but oh well. Let's see. Let's do... It's like a list of topics that they talked about. Let's do one more. Let's do campaign. The the last Trump bullshit lie, which again, that's all the man does is lie. Is they spied on my campaign. Trump thinks Joe Biden spied on his campaign. Can you believe that shit? But turns out that new this in fact was false no evidence has surfaced to suggest that obama or biden ever spied on trump's campaign or did a wire trap 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 or did a wiretap on trump tower or inherited or misled in the fbi's work looking into possible coordination between the members of trump's campaign in russia the wiretapping claim has been dismissed as understandably by lawmakers from both parties, intelligence officials, and the Justice Department. Unsust- Unsustainability, whatever. Wait, 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 excuse me, what's that word? Unsubstantiated, you dumbass has been dismissed as unsubstantiated by lawmakers from both parties. Well, there you go. As part of the Russia probe later led by... That's number seven. Led by Special Counsel Robert Mueller, the FBI investigated four men in the Trump campaign's orbit, a report from the Justice Department Inspector General Marshall... Horowitz concluded that the investigation was justified and not publicly motivated. A separate probe attorney, General William Barr, commissioned into the unmasking of Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, concluded without any criminal charges or finding wrongdoing, according to news reports. So, there's the debate for you. And uh, this final debate article is coming from our good friends at thehill.com. And this is five takeaways from the final Trump-Biden debate. President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden squared off in a combative and restrained debate Thursday night that gave voters their final chance to seize, excuse me, to size the candidates up before heading to the polls November 3rd, which I'll be uh, voting through mail-in ballot. Trump dialed it back in Nashville after his disruptive previous showing in the first debate in Cleveland last month resulted in handwriting from within his own party. But there were still plenty of clashes as the candidates got personal with slinging attacks focused on their families, race, and immigration. Here Here are takeaways from the last presidential debate of 2020. And why not? Let's see, how long is this? Yeah, we'll read all five. Why not? 
So the first one is Trump changed his tone. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. Trump did change his tone. He was more well behaved. You know, he, he didn't interrupt. <laughs> and as the article goes on to say, Trump was mostly on his best behavior Thursday night, which again was true. He was. He, he kept quiet. Following a disruptive debate performance earlier this month that turned off many voters, the president really interrupted Biden and was polite to moderator Kristen Wallace of NBC News. He was a good boy. He was a good boy. The commission on the presidential debates prepared for a different outcome. arranging for each candidate's microphones to be shut off so their rival could speak uninterrupted to questions directed towards them. So, that's probably one of the main reasons why Trump shut the fuck up is because the microphones were shut off. Of course, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was bitching about that. Like, that was one of the main reasons why he didn't want to... didn't want to do a virtual debate... He's like, oh, they're going to cut my microphone off. I don't want them to be, 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 You know, him bitching and complaining as always, but. <laughs> the president clearly came into this debate determined to allow Biden more time to speak. A strategy his advisor hoped would expose the Democratic nominee as confused or having lost a step. But that really didn't happen. While there were moments where Biden appeared shaky. Shaky, there were also instances in which he met the moment, such as with his emotional response to Trump administration's policy of spreading, excuse me, of separating parents from their children at the border. But overall, the president's calmer demeanor likely helped him to a degree. Trump appeared more polished and prepared this time around. He also seemed relaxed while still getting in plenty of attacks against Biden over his long record in Washington and his past support for a crime bill that has disproportionately increased black people, among other things. The prior presidential debate was an... It basically was a shit show for Trump and sent party leaders into a blind panic. Republican lawmakers will leave this debate feeling slightly more optimistic about their chances, although the public opinion survey shows they're still very much in danger of facing heavy losses on November 3rd. So, of course, the next one is both candidates did land punches, you know. Both candidates shot them shots. Each candidate had strong moments on Thursday night. Palestinians will naturally argue that their preference candidate was the clear winner, but for any remaining undecided voters, it was tough to see either man as obviously dominant. In some of the most contentious areas, they essentially fought to a draw. On the pandemic, for example, Biden blasted Trump for a failure to take responsibility and for the huge death toll in the United States, but Trump defended himself in a more focused way than usual, referring to the many European nations that are experiencing a coronavirus spike and seeking to cast Biden and Democratic and Democrats generally as willing to seek wide-scale shutdowns. All he does is talk about shutdowns, Trump said of Biden. 
Trump sought to put out Biden under pressure over the Hunter Biden and his business dealings, but the former vice president parried officially by efficiently by immediately denying any wrongdoing and referring to Trump's long-standing failure to release his tax returns. This pattern was followed most of the night in what was by Trump's standards a remarkably orthodox debate. Republicans and Democrats will focus on their preferred candidates' best moments. In boxing terms, both men landed solid jabs, but no knockout blows. And of course, the next one is uh, Trump goes after Biden's family, but we we all know we all know that. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll skip that one and we'll we'll go right to uh, number four. This is a uh, Christian Walker shown as moderator. The moderators this presidential debate season have not had a good time until Thursday night. Fox News' Chris Wallace was perceived to have lost control of the first presidential debate. USA Today Susan Page forced criticism for, for being too passive in vice presidential encounter. And C-SPAN Steve Scully never even got to moderate a second scheduled presidential debate. Scully was suspended by his network for falsely claiming a controversial tweet was the result of a hacking. After the debate was canceled for unrelated reasons following the president's positive COVID-19 test, Walker of NBC News had faced attacks from the president in the days leading up to the debate. In fact, Walker was widely hailed on social media and even from the stage by the president for the way in which she conducted the final debate. Walker kept things moving and pressed the candidates deeper into a number of policy areas without ever being an obstructive presence or seeking in to make himself the star of the show. It was a smooth and professional performance from Walker that was all the more impressive on a such and high pressure octane. And basically the last one is, did Trump do enough? And the answer is, fuck no. <laughs> so that, ladies and gentlemen, is it for the debate talk pretty much. Uh, like I said, overall, it was a, a more of a relaxed debate, you know. Not too much going on, but uh, hey, we will see. But uh, moving on from that. A couple motherfuckers want to assassinate Joe Biden. Oh, God. This is coming from thehill.com. Uh, North Carolina man arrested with van full of guns and explosive had plans to assassinate Joe Biden. Oh, my God. Let's see. A North Carolina man who was indicted last month on charges of child pornography. Oh, so this guy's a fucking pedophile as well. Well, you know. Also had plans to commit a mass shooting during the holidays and assassinate Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. A federal grand jury indicted 19-year-old... Nine, oh my god. 19... The, so basically the guy threw... So basically the fucking kid threw his life away because of child pornography 
and just being a straight up fucking idiot. Wow. 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 <laughs> as much as I hate Donald Trump, you, you don't fucking see me wanting to go out and assassinating the motherfucker, you know? Just, why? Why, though? <sighs> A federal grand jury indicted 19-year-old Alexander Hiltil Tresman, who also used the Atlas Alexander as Tress in September on charges of knowingly possessing an image that contained child pornography, according to the Daily Beast. When authorities investigated Tressman's electronic devices, they discovered a bounty of disturbing information. So this guy is basically a fucking sicko, as it is already, by the sounds of it. Found among Tressman's social media accounts and devices was, device was, 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 were images of various firearms he owned, plans to commit a mass shooting on Christmas or Black Friday, references to child pornography and child rape, and multiple internet searches about Biden's home. These dumb motherfuckers have never heard of a thing called, uh, incognito mode. You know, that would, uh, come, come in big handy next time you, you want to do something like that. Just, just saying. Don't, don't do stupid shit, kids. But, uh, yeah, motherfuckers, it's called incognito mode. You ever heard of that? Along with this information, authorities learned that he had purchased an AR-15 in New Hampshire. Let, let me, let let me, let me, let me say that again. Along with this information, authorities had learned that he had purchased an AR-15 in New Hampshire. Now, what I want to know is, did he purchase it legally or illegally? That's what they don't say here. That's what sucks. And traveled to a Wendy's within four miles of Biden's home. He had also written a checklist ending with execute... And under one of his social media accounts, he had posted a meme with the caption, Should I kill Joe Biden? Oh my god. What, why are people fucking stupid? Evidence gathered seemed to suggest that Tressman had made some tentative plans to leave the country at one point with doctored polished, with a doctored Polish passport discovered on his hard drive and emails to a Canadian law firm asking, about obtaining Canadian citizenship. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. According to a court order obtained by WBTV in May, a white van parked in a local bank's parking lot was reported... Sorry. <laughs> that wasn't a fart. That was me moving my hand across my chair. Oh, whatever was reported by the bank's employees to the police. The officers had the van towed and during a search of the vehicle discovered several fire alarm, fire, fire, several firearms along with explosive materials, drawings of swastikas and more than $500,000 to believe, believe to be Trustman's inheritance. Holy shit! $500,000! thousand motherfucking dollars yeah I'd, I'd take that in a heartbeat the Kannapolis police department returned to the bank when Trustman showed up and inquired about the whereabouts of the van Trustman was taken into custody custody of 
on charges of carrying a concealed weapon in the car he used to drive to the bank. Authorities discovered more firearms as well as multiple state IDs, which one of had his Atlas Alexander S. Tress. So, the wanting of Joe Biden dead is is not over yet. Another fucking right-wing maniac. Uh, a gun nut. Guy's a, 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 a hardcore gun enthusiast, I guess. Secret Service charges man with threat to kidnap and kill Biden and Harris. Oh my god. What the fuck, people? Uh, this guy is from uh, Maryland. Oh boy. So we had a guy from North Carolina and a guy from Maryland. I wonder, could these two possibly be connected? Like, could these guys know each other possibly? Like, like if you think about it, like the motherfucker from North Carolina and the motherfucker from Maryland could be like racing to kill Joe Biden first. The first one to kill Joe Biden. Who will it be? North Carolina or Maryland? You know? I don't know. But uh, this article is coming from the hill.com as well. Our good friends from the hill. And the article says the Secret Service filed charges against a Maryland man after he threatened to kidnap and kill Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden and vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris. A criminal complaint filed by the agency Wednesday said a man identified as James Dale Reed on October 4th approached a house in his hometown of Frederick that had Biden-Harris lawn signs posted and left a handwritten note dealing graphic threats against the candidates and their supporters. Oh my god. So this guy's basically a fucking Trump loony. The man was identified after the residence video doorbell captured Reed allegedly leaving the note at the home's doorstep according to the complaint. Reed allegedly threatens in the letter to severely beat Biden the point of death and shoot Harris in the head with a Glock 17 pistol. The letter also includes a graphic threat of sexual assault against Harris. The letter says Biden-Harris supporters would also be targeted. We have a list of homes and addresses by your election signs. The letter reads, without clarifying who consult, who constitutes we. We are the ones with these scary guns. We are the ones your children have nightmares about. Oh, God. Sounds like a fucking crazy loony Trump supporter. The Secret Service criminal complaint did not detail any steps Reed or anyone else took to fulfill the alleged threat. The agency said it focused on Reed following an anonymous tip. He first denied writing the threatening letter when he was first interviewed on October 13th, but later admitted to authoring it after providing elimination palm prints and a handwriting sample on October 15th. He later told authorities this will happen, referring to threatening comments citing the tense political climate. Reed is charged with the federal offense of threatening a major candidate, which can be punished by up to five years in prison. Enjoy, motherfucker. He, he's also facing state charges of threatening 
mass violence, and voter intimidation. The Maryland resident has come to the Secret Service's attention in 2014 after making a threat then against a person under its protection. The Biden campaign did not immediately respond to a request for comment from the Hill. So again, basically fucking Trump supporters uh, being fucking Trump supporters. You know, what the fuck do you expect? But uh, moving on, uh, Mr. Trump had a little temper tantrum uh, while on 60 Minutes. Trump posts full 60 Minutes interview showing him walking out. President Trump on Thursday posted his full interview with 60 Minutes ahead of its scheduled airtime in an apparent attempt to undercut the news program after he walked out on the interview bristling at questioning from journalist Lindsey Stahl. The president posted a nearly 40-minute sit-down to his Facebook page with the caption, Look at the bias, hatred, and rudeness on behalf of 60 Minutes and CBS. Tonight's anchor, Christian Walker, is far worse, Trump added, referencing the NBC News anchor who will moderate the presidential debate in Nashville, Tennessee. Trump abruptly ended the interview with Stahl before a scheduled walk and talk with the president and vice president Mike Pence. During the interview, he... Excuse me, what is that word? Huh? He... Bahawa? Excuse me. He bemoaned? Bemoaned. Okay. He bemoaned that Shell opened the interview by asking if he was ready for tough questions, calling it no way to talk. He complains repeatedly that Shell did not ask tough questions to Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden, to which Stahl responds that she did not interview Biden. Trump corrects himself to say the interview with Biden. I think we have enough. We have enough, Trump says in the clip, moving to the Moving to end the interview. I think we're ready for Vice President now. A production assistant says off camera. Okay, that's enough. Let's go, Trump says. Basically, it sounds like Trump being a fucking giant baby. Because he doesn't like hearing the truth. You know? Basically, he doesn't like people exposing what he has to say. CBS News said earlier this week that the White House agreed that they would tape the interview for archival purposes only. The White House's unprecedented decision to disregard their agreement with CBS News and release their footage will not deter 60 Minutes from providing its full and far contextual reporting, which presidents have participated in for decades. CBS News said in a statement after Trump posted the interview, 60 Minutes, the most watched news program on television, is widely respected for bringing its hallmark fairness deep reporting and informative context to viewers each week. Few journalists have the presidential interview experience Lindsay Scholl has delivered over her decade as one of the premier correspondents in America, and we look forward to audience seeing the third, seeing her third interview with President Trump and subsequent interview with Price, well, excuse me, subsequent interview with Vice President Pence this week in the statement read. The interview will air Sunday alongside another with Biden, who was interviewed by correspondent Noah, Nora O'Donnell earlier this week. The, v- the interview is combative throughout, with Stahl often 
interjecting to point out the basic facts and question Trump on some of his claims and rhetoric. Again, so basically Trump not liking that. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not right, not true, you know? Basically Trump complaining and bitching because, well, he was called out for his bullshit. And we've established that Trump does not being like called out for his bullshit. Established. We can't put things we can't verify. Schultz tells the president after he repeats his unproven claim that the Obama administration spied on his campaign. Which again, that shit's unproven. That shit's not true. There's no evidence. But of course, Trump is going to be Trump and... <laughs> <laughs> and not give a shit, basically. You know? Because, let's face it, the man doesn't care. Trump at multiple points claims that Shaw has discredited herself by not covering allegations in the New York Post about Hunter Biden's business dealings after Shaw said 60 Minutes could not verify them. Basically, meaning, again, no proof. You know, it... Trump basically wants to take control of the interview and spew his bullshit and 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 rhetoric, you know. That that's what he wants to do. And it it's obvious that Shaw was not letting him do that, you know? And of course Trump was not liking it. He he basic again, he basically wanted to take control of of the interview, which Shaw was not letting him, and he wasn't having it, you know? Shaw reportedly tells Trump that his allegations that Hunter Biden influenced his father have been discredited by Republican-led Senate committees, and she pushes on him on his insistence that his administration has a health care plan ready to release despite its refusal to release any details on such a plan. You know why? Because he doesn't have a fucking plan. <laughs> the only reason why he's saying he has a plan is because, again, he's pandering to what his supporters want to hear. He will spew anything. And I mean anything. And his supporters will eat it the fuck up. For those who don't know, and probably y'all don't really give a shit, but uh, I started an Instagram page called The Cult of Trump Supporters or something like that. You know, if you... Oh, The Cult of Trump. If you search The Cult of Trump on Instagram and Facebook, uh, you can find that page. I basically post uh, shit I find in the comments that uh, Trump supporters have said uh, and all that. Also, if you found any ridiculous bullshit that Trump supporters have said, feel free to submit it to me and I will give you a shout out. But, uh, but uh, basically, the article goes on to say, at the beginning of the interview, Stahl focuses on the Trump administration's response to the coronavirus and the rising cases in the United States, asking him to acknowledge the increase. And then he basically, of course, praises himself. I think we've done a great job with COVID, Trump says. Sir, excuse me. And then Stoll basically replies, says, Sir, excuse me, cases are up a 
Cases are up in about 40 states, which, of course, Trump didn't didn't like that, you know, because the man doesn't like facts. He doesn't like hearing the truth. He only wants to hear the bullshit he spews. Trump acknowledges that the increase in cases, but attributes them to only an increase in testing, a claim that public health expert, expert, experts have said is misleading, which here we go with a bullshit Trump spew. Oh, God. Because we do so much testing. The fake news media loves to say cases are up. The fact is, is we have done a very good job. Okay, again, going on to praise himself and then basically blame the fucking media. Let's read that again. Because we do so much testing, the fake news media loves to say cases are up. But the fact is... We have done a very good job. The, the man just does not want to accept the fucking truth. That's what it sounds like. And again, he goes back to praising himself. It's like the man does not want to accept the fucking truth. You know, he doesn't want to look bad. The president also continued to insist that the U.S. is turning the corner on the virus. A claim that is out of step with his top health officials warning about the risk of resurgence we have turned the corner we understand the disease we understand the elderly and we are taking care of them okay excuse me that's uh number eight at one point drum drump yes his name god damn yes his name is now drump at one point drump Drump, 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 yeah, you know what, fuck it. Drump grows agitated with Stahl's characterization of his recent plea to suburban women to please like me at a campaign rally. Trump insists angrily that he made the remark in jest, of course. You said the other day to suburban women, will you please like me, Stahl says in a pleading voice. And of course he denies it. Oh, I didn't say that. You know, that is so misleading the way you said it. I say jokingly. Suburban women, you should love me because I'm going to give you security and I got rid of the worst regulation Trump says. Okay. See, the way you said that is why people think of you and everyone else as fake news. Trump continues. Of course, he goes on to continue the, continue to attack the reporter. I said that in a joking way. The way you have it is like I'm begging. Trump's grievances with the media have been intensified down the stretch of the presidential campaign. You know, that's just one thing about Trump that proves how weak-minded he is. He cannot take criticism. Anything the media says hurts his widow feelings. You know, oh, oh you hurt my feelings. Oh, Oh, the media didn't praise me. Oh, it hurt my feelings. That's basically Trump. He targeted Fox News anchor Chris Wallace over his moderation of the first debate with Biden. He lashed out at C-SPAN anchor Steve Scully before he was set to moderate the second debate, which is ultimately canceled. And he declared NBC Savannah Guthrie's handling of a town hall event last week held in Florida. Trump has spent the days leading up to Thursday's debate attacking Walker based on the donations her parents made to Democrats. So, basically, fucking, 
Trump being Trump, you know? But anyways, enough with Trump and all that. Moving on here, this is coming from uh, CNET.com. Uh, oh boy. Tesla full self-driving beta lands, but it's about to get more expensive. Here it is, but it comes with some frightening disclaimer language. Oh boy, oh boy. Tesla's long-promised self-driving mode reached its first customers in beta form this week, and we've already received a look on how the system operates on local roads thanks to a Twitter user. So far, the owner reports no issues and seems impressed with the system's capabilities. The video, the video comes from Twitter user... Oh, I'm not even going to... Brandon, we'll call him Brandon, who shared a clip of the self... Of the full self-driving mode operating while monitoring around local roads. The beta requires the driver to keep their hands on the wheel still. But the car handles everything we see pretty well. The tablet style screen shows the roads and intersections marked. And provides insight into what the car sees while it's driving. To the right the screen splits to show traditional navigation. Traditional map navigation. The owner added in Twitter. The owner added in the Twitter thread that he ran full self-driving on narrow, unmarked city streets at night. Personally, I'd like to see the video of the car handling itself and more traffic. As we continue to see more of the full self-driving mode, and while the company pushes. It to more owners. Tesla CEO Elon Musk announced the system will become more expensive, though the options price has fluctuated over the years. But right now, it costs eight thousand dollars to equip a new Tesla with the feature com- capabilities. Damn, eight fucking grand! According to a tweet from Musk, the price will rise by around two thousand coming this Monday. If you want to save a couple grand, you will need to pony up. For the future by the end of this weekend. In other words. So. Basically. Tesla. Is uh, embracing the future. Future here. Fuck. <laughs> well anyways. As we uh, end this episode off. Russian hackers infiltrated state and local government networks officials say. Oh boy. Russia hacking into this bitch. Uh, hackers stole information about how governments secure their systems and which vendors they buy products from according to the fbi and cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency oh boy russia coming at it this is also coming from cnet.com russian state sponsored hackers have targeted computer networks at Dozens of state and local governments and successfully infiltrated some of them. Intelligence experts at the FBI and cybersecurity and infrastructure security agent agencies said in a joint statement Thursday that hackers also took data from at least two servers, the agency said. According to the announcement, hackers with the group sometimes called Energetic Bear and associated with the Russian government have logged into the government administrator accounts and then moved around in sensitive systems. 
The stolen data included additional passwords and information about how each government uses security features like two-factor authentication and password reset requests. It also included information on how to print access badges in which vendors the government partners with. So, basically, Mother Russia stealing our fucking information, bruh. Damn. But, anyways, that's basically gonna do it for this episode of the This and That podcast. But yeah, like I said, you know, my my life has been getting in the way of my ability to record podcast episodes, you know. I've been worrying about this fucking house. Like I said, the day I'm recording this, it's October 23rd, so I have like six more days until I officially find out if I'm moving out of this tiny-ass fucking apartment. Oh, my God. I'm, like, stuck in the corner. Before I leave this apartment, I officially do move out. I'm going to probably try to do, like, a little a little apartment tour video before I leave to show everyone what the apartment actually looked like. You guys have seen a, a, a little bit of it on the uh, channel, on my uh, main YouTube channel, Boston3233, but... Yeah, like I said, as soon as I settle down into my new house, as soon as uh, I, I get things settled down, uh, you know, I get my room, my equipment and all that set up. You know, I got to try to find a desk. I know I have to try to see if I can't buy a uh, a mic stand so I can uh, put my microphone on a fucking actual mic stand because right now I have my microphone Sitting on a box, sitting on the microphone box, sitting in front of me. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, you know, like I said, when I get settled down, hopefully finally find a house, uh, finally get a little part-time job. I'm going to try to save up some money and, you know, try to save up to get a good computer, save up to uh, get a better setup, you know. So I can, because I want to get a dual monitor setup. I kind of have one, but it's basically my laptop screen acting as my second monitor. But yeah, I, I want to get like a, a real dual monitor setup. Like, I don't know, but I'm trying to find like a little part-time job to bring in a little extra ching ching ling a dang a dang But uh, hopefully I can find that. Hopefully uh, I can start bringing a little extra revenue as well, because... I want to do some more uh, live streams on my main channel. If you haven't subscribed to that, that's Boston three two three three. But like, I I want to I want to do more content on that channel. I want to, you know, make more videos, do more sports videos, and you know, I want to get that channel going. It's just it's been hard in the current environment and the current situation that I'm in right now. It's just been fucking hard to, you know, really do that. So maybe when I get moved into this new house, I get a job, I finally, you know, get a little bit of extra income, you know, I also want to do some, uh, product reviews from the dispensary, you know, like, do some oil reviews, and weed reviews, you know, reviewing different strands, and different kinds of weed and shit, you know, the fucking dispensary prices here in Massachusetts are fucking expensive, one gram of oil, or wax, or shatter is 60 fucking dollars, Shit's expensive, but that's why I'm also trying to get a fucking medical card. I'm trying to do a lot of things. My, my, 
I know my life may not seem all that busy, but to me, I get a little too much on my plate right now. You know, I want to focus on my YouTube. I want to get that going as well. So that and I want to record more podcast episodes, too. I want to start posting this podcast more frequently. I know I only like it feels like I post it monthly, but uh, yeah, I, I really do want to post this podcast more frequently and more often. So like like I said, when I. When I, and hopefully if I get this fucking house, like I said, October 29th, uh, I'll, I'll know for sure if I'm officially moving out of this small ass fucking tiny apartment, which like I said, I'm, I'm trying to keep positive vibes, man. I'm trying to keep everything positive. I'm trying to keep it all in a positive mindset, you know, cause I, I feel if you keep, keep your mind in the gutter and you keep it in a negative mindset, then, you know, it just, the chances of you getting what you want is isn't gonna really you know you know what i'm trying to say like the chances of you of wow yeah you you get it you know (laughs) You, you get what the fuck i'm trying to say basically i'm saying the chances of you getting what you want to happen are basically slim if you think it negatively but you know if you put yourself in a positive mindset you know just like think positively like all right you know hopefully i you know I just just gotta think positive. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's it. That's all I got for now. Uh, Like I said, I'm living life here, you know, doing my thing, trying to get going. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's it for now. I'll catch y'all next time. Peace.